The deep woods seemed to hold all kinds of mysteries, dark travesties, absolutely tragic mysteries, and downright horrifying horror stories await you guys. Welcome back to the swamp, and welcome if you're new my friends. Today we're going to be covering some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story from the woods that you would like to share in the channel, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours to help keep this show going on a daily basis. Be sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you haven't, and sit back, relax, and get ready for some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. I am a 30-year-old man living in central Pennsylvania. If you've never been here, it's a lot of thick woods with small towns miles apart. This story takes place on my friend's land. We will call him John. He is a former army soldier whose family owns a lot of land, which we would camp on, hike on, and do whatever we wanted. I, John, and our friend Dan, who is a proud jarhead, got our girls, gear, and beer, and headed up the mountain on three ATVs for a fun night. All seemed normal when we got to our spot, a somewhat sparse flat area where the trees weren't too thick. We set up our tents and a fire before leaving the two girls to chat while we went down to do some shooting a little way away. Now you should know when we shoot, we get really into it. None of that flat range stuff. We're like gun tubers, but only good. We have plate carriers, rifles, pistols, cases of ammo, the works. John even bought himself a pair of old crappy NODs to mess around with. The older kind that need a lot of light and only give you a blurry green shape. We loaded our guns, set up steel plates, and makeshift barriers, and practiced for a few hours, only stopping to eat. We eventually went back to camp and sat with the other girls to cook dinner, drink, and have a laugh. We joked that the meat would attract wolves. Now, one odd thing we do, which I'm very thankful for, is we set up sand-filled cans tied to wires in a circle around our camp. An old hunting trick we learned as kids. If something were to trip this wire, the cans would cling together. This will be important later. As the moon came up and the fall chill began to set in, the light-hearted mood died. It was around midnight when we all began to feel a bit odd. We tried to chalk it up to how oddly quiet the forest was. It felt like we were being watched from all directions. One of the girls mentioned she heard something moving in the woods nearby. We sat and listened intently. We all looked toward the sound that we heard a second later, but by this point, anything even seven feet outside the camp was pitch black. Eventually, this shuffling noise became an almost running sound, if that makes any sense. Like someone circling our camp quickly, messing with us. If you've been in the woods long enough, you can tell the difference between two and four feet. Dan stands up and shouts, Dude, are you really trying to screw around? This is private property. We will kill you if we have to. Don't be stupid. We shined our flashlight into the tree line and saw nothing. The movement continued, followed by what we thought was the sound of a blade scraping along bark. We sent the girls into the tents with a pistol and grabbed our rifles. Whatever this was moved so fast we could not pinpoint it. We each had our backs to the fire 
and each other had our guns up, scanning the area in front of us. Dude, John, NODs, put on your NODs. John put them on, and after a minute or so, he opened up fire into the tree line, followed by a piercing pained yelp or grunt. What do you see, man? Guns up, he said. What do you see? He just kept yelling to have our guns up. For the next five or so hours, we stood around the fire, the girls tossing us jerky, energy drinks, and adding wood to the flame. Anything to keep us awake. To be honest, I'm surprised my heart didn't explode. We would occasionally fire shots blindly into the wood line, hoping to at least scare it off. After a while, the can stopped rattling, but we still hear running and huffing, as if this thing was stopping and watching us, then trying another spot over and over, looking for an inn. For just a few brief moments, it got close enough to the fire, and I swear I saw black fur. At first light on the verge of collapse, we all jumped on the ATVs and hauled ass back to John's house, where we passed out in his living room. The next day, Dan and I, with another friend, took two ATVs and went back for our stuff. After unsuccessfully getting any info from John about what he saw and refusing to come with us, we found the tents shredded and the coolers knocked over. Perimeter string was cut down, and there were several bullet holes. We tried to find the spot John first saw the creature. He believes he winged it. He found what appeared to be black fur stuck to a tree with blood, about six and a half feet up, and what appeared to be large claw marks on a few others. John became something of a shut-in after that. He still hangs around, but isn't the same. We made two trips armed, grabbed what we could, and never went back to that area in the woods. I'm 14 years old and from Belfast, Ireland. I go out on a lot of nighttime walks with my friends, and most nights we usually go on short ones, but this night we had planned to do something else. I met my friend on her street, and then we went and picked up my other friend. For the story, I will call one Katie and the other Eli. We walked to the bus stop closest to our friend's house, and I got a bus to the university area of my city, as there are a lot of cafes and restaurants around there, and it's quite brightly lit. We got off the bus at the stop and started walking, looking for a cafe to go into. But we couldn't find one, so we decided to walk straight into the city center, which is only a short walk away. We found an open cafe and decided to go in for a snack and something to drink. It was only around 7pm and it was getting quite dark already, so we decided to leave the cafe and get another bus back home. We got on the bus that would take us all home, but at the second stop, a ticket inspector got on and kicked us off when he realized we did not have any tickets and snuck on. It was now raining lightly, and we decided we would just walk to another bus stop and get on a bus we knew the inspector would not be on. We walked around five minutes to get to that bus stop, and when we got there, there wasn't another one for around 20 minutes. Damn it, let's just get to the other bus stop going through the field over there and walk through it to get home. I said to both of my friends, they agreed, so we hopped on the bus and took a seat. On the bus ride back, it started to rain heavier. When we got to the last stop, we were the last ones on the bus, and the stop happened to be in a very Protestant area, so we already felt quite unsafe being there, since most of us had quite unique Catholic names, and there had been a lot of, uh, I guess you could even say gang violence between the two religions in this time. So we were a little nervous to be in an area that technically we weren't supposed to be in. We walked through some streets and finally got to the football field that backed into the forest that we would need to cut through to get home. 
We sprinted across the football field trying not to get our shoes wet as it had been raining for a few days, and the field happened to be quite flooded. We got to the edge of the forest, and when the rain got a lot heavier than it was before, the forest was pitch black, so we turned on our flashlights to see where we were going. We began our walk into the forest, taking careful steps as to not slip on the wet, muddy ground. Now, I spent my whole summer in that forest, and I would be confident in saying that I knew it like the back of my hand. All three of us do. When you walk in, there's a straight path that leads you through two tall fence posts after walking for about two minutes. When you get past those fence posts, you take a right and walk for another two minutes. When you arrive at the other side of the forest, where you exit into a huge field, which leads us home, although when we took a right at the two tall fence posts, it didn't lead us there at all. The whole forest changed shape. We had been walking down this path for around five minutes now and the rain was so loud we could hardly hear each other. This was when we started to panic. We were running around now, trying desperately to find a way out of this place. We walked up a small hill to a big tree, a tree that we had never seen before, a tree that was definitely not there before, ever. I looked around to see my friend Katie as pale as I had ever seen her before. What do we do now? She screamed. I shout back at her that I don't know. Then her flashlight flickered. An iPhone flashlight. Phone flashlights never do that. Then, mine went out. I started to panic as it was now so dark that we couldn't see our hands in front of our face. Then, just after what happened, my friend Katie got a call from our friend Eli's twin sister, who didn't happen to be there that night. Katie spoke to her in a panic, but this only lasted a few seconds as her phone randomly hung up on her and out of the blue, it just turned off. She still had more than half a battery left, which was incredibly weird. I'm a wilderness survival instructor and security contract. A couple of days ago, a student of mine and good friend who I had taken out into the woods before told me his dad just got 150 acres of land in a secluded, mountainous part of my state. It had a large amount of forest on it and hadn't been explored yet as his dad was only building something for his horses that took up about 100 yards of the property, and his horses were free to roam now. He said his dad got an insane deal on the property. My friend is now a dad of three and I know he doesn't get out into the woods that often, so I agreed to go with him because it seemed fun, and I can imagine he needs a getaway every now and then. We are both indigenous, into cars, into wilderness survival, and all sorts of stuff, so we never run out of anything to talk about in the woods. His dad, however, told us that he didn't want anybody exploring the woods unless he had a gun. He said it was because he saw coyotes. Now, we are all indigenous here, and we were raised in the same state. Coyotes don't really attack people all too often. My friend, whose name is RC, also told me a while back that when he was first at the property, he saw movement in the tree lines that was roughly human size and shape, but couldn't really tell since his eyesight was not all that good, admittedly. I brought my AR and a small flint napping kit, just for the fun of it, and we set off into the property. We explored a lot of the rolling fields, creeks, and multiple natural springs and ponds. Everything felt normal. It was a beautiful landscape. Eventually, we decided to get to the forested part of the property, as it had yet to been explored. As soon as we entered the tree line, the entire mood shifted dramatically. The forest had an ambient of its own, very similar to the woods in the movie The Ritual. The woods were gray and dead silent, save for the occasional creaking of tall, tired cedar trees. 
There was a very small stream running through the center of it with sand that was black. I felt like we were surrounded, watched from all sides. It didn't take long before a very putrid stench hit our nostrils. It was the odor of rotting flesh, no doubt. We decided to follow the smell and found the remains of three to four cows. We examined the exposed skulls and couldn't find any bullet holes. It didn't appear to me that these cows had been put down by any human. Something killed them though, and there were bones spread all over for about 30 yards. There were large indentations in the dirt all around them. It was a very vague shape, so it was hard to tell what it was. We decided to press on into the woods for whatever reason. Now, we were accompanied by only silence, the putrid odor of death, and the sound of our own heartbeats. We kept stopping at the stream as I noticed different types of tracks, large coyote tracks and something else that was large but intentionally avoided the sand to see. We pressed on into the woods until we started to find trees that had been bent over and pinned behind other trees while they were still alive, something that could never, ever happen naturally. We hiked on and found what I can only describe to be a tool made of bone lying on the ground. It was extremely crude but looked like some sort of scooping tool or knife. It was disturbing because although it looked primitive, it looked way more primitive than a person would make, but an intentionally shaped tool nonetheless. We hiked on until we found a clearing with a pond that had more large oval tracks surrounding it. On the other side of the pond, we found a very strange little tree structure. It was in an A-frame. It had rocks placed up against it. However, it wasn't all that sturdy and the rocks were very peculiarly placed. We found no signs of any campfires around it. We found no fishing, no camping trash. This isn't exactly a place that you could hike to from a house. It's very remote. It was getting dark, so we decided to head back. I had a flashlight on my AR, but I did not want to rely on that in the dark with something that kills cows and makes tools out of their bones somewhere behind us. We made our way out of the forest and back to where the trucks were parked just in time before it got too dark to see. As we were leaving, we saw something on top of one of the hills that we couldn't quite identify, but didn't stick around to find out what it was. It's worth mentioning, the previous owner began construction on something on the property, abruptly halted construction and left. Again, I have no idea what this thing was, so feel free to let me know in the comments down below. My family lived in a nice house in the middle of some dense woods. A few of my friends consistently brought their four-wheelers with them when they came to spend the night. We had a huge yellow four-wheeler and rode pretty much constantly that year. The woods behind my parents' house had trails every which way that snaked around the haulers in the roads. My friends and I had these big plans to get street signs and put them on the trees so that all of our trails would have their names proudly displayed. One day, a friend came to stay, and we rode around the trails for hours. When we became bored of the trails, we took off the main road to a fire training center about three miles away. The fire training center was down a one-lane gravel road with these trees butting up to the side so close that a car would get scratched going down it. At the end of the road was a pole gate to keep people like us out. On the way there, we passed a small pickup truck with two men in it. When we got to the little trail that went down and around the gate, we saw a dead dog wrapped up in a blanket blocking off the path. We decided to turn around because I didn't want to run over the dog. 
so we started heading up back on the main road, and again about halfway back, past the small pickup truck with men in it. My friend and I joked that the men are following us because they know we saw the dog they dropped off and didn't bury. We get almost back to the house and decide that we can probably find another trail around the dog, maybe one on the other side of the gate, so off we go. We turn onto the little gravel road and go to the end. There is no other trail, no other way around. But the dog is kind of laying on the half blanket. So, we sit there for a few minutes while I try to convince my friend if she just tugs on the edge of the blanket we can move the blanket and dog out of the way without touching it. She's not budging, but I really want to ride on the other side of the gate. After a few minutes it is clear she's not touching the blanket, so we turn around and head back home. We start back down the gravel road and after a second or two, we turn to the straight part of it. Panic set in quickly. The small pickup truck is on the road blocking our only way out. The trees touch both the sides of the truck, so there is no way around it. Two large men are sitting there staring at us. After what feels like forever, I whip the four-wheeler around and go through the trail anyway. We get around the gate and, then, eventually, we are to safety. Were they watching me try to persuade her to move the blanket? Could they see us the whole time? Were they still moving until we got to the clear part? What would have happened if I didn't give up on the blanket? Those questions scare me now as much as they did back then. The gravel road only goes to the fire training center, which is blocked off by a large metal gate. A car that pulls down there is only able to get back the entire way out onto the main road. Anyway, we soon forgot about it, and it really didn't make much sense, and nothing really changed. I do like to think that our town is safe, and that the woods in general are safe. But... I don't know what those men's intentions were. My grandparents used to own 10 acres of land in the panhandle of Idaho. Most of the property was wooded, however some of the trees on the property were cut down and turned into four-wheeler trails. When we would visit, my sister and I would spend at least one of the days up there riding our four-wheelers. During one of these trips, I had an encounter with something strange, to say the least. The day started out rather normal, with my family waking up and having breakfast. As usual, my sister and I asked our grandparents if we could go ride the four-wheelers. After getting permission to do so, we went outside to the shed behind their house and started up the four-wheelers. After a few hours of riding on the trails, I saw my sister park next to the shed. When I drove up next to her, she told me she was going to get a drink and asked me if I wanted one. I told her no thank you and continued driving. After a few turns, I heard a loud growl over the engine of the four-wheeler. I came to a complete stop thinking something was wrong with the engine, but then I heard the growl again. Only this time, it was louder and more guttural. At this point, I noticed the forest was completely silent. There weren't the usual bird sounds or any insects. I began frantically searching for what made the growl when I saw it. In a large bush just off the trail, I saw two large yellow eyes staring back at me. The eyes were probably eight or nine feet from the ground and protruding from the top of the bush were antlers. Once I saw this thing, I felt a feeling of dread wash over me. I could feel that if this creature wanted to kill me, it could at any second. My fight or flight kicked in at this point and subconsciously my brain decided I was going to run. 
I turned my four-wheeler back on in record timing and sped out of those woods. A few months later, in the fall of that year, we were visiting my grandparents again. Seven turkeys had moved on to their property, and about halfway through our trip we noticed that one had gone missing. We thought nothing of it really, but when I drove past that spot, I heard the growl earlier that year. I noticed a smell of rot and decay. I ventured slightly into the woods and saw a mutilated turkey. I realized what must have killed this turkey and quickly went back to the four-wheeler and back inside. On the same trip, we were leaving the grandparents' house to go to a nearby city. When we were pulling out of their driveway, a large dark figure ran across the road leaving their property. My grandparents insisted that it was a coyote, but coyotes don't run on two legs like that. Anyways, a few years later my grandparents moved out of that house. They said it was to be closer to us, but, but I think it might have been because of that creature. I don't know what I saw, but I believe it might have been a wendigo. It scared me to death, and I believe it scared them out of that house. It was mid-late August 2016 and we had just closed on the purchase of one and a half story log cabin bordering the Washita National Forest. This was a property with about 15 wooded acres, two ponds, and a wet weather creek. I had fallen in love with the area on the drive to see the property. Driving along the winding mountain highways, I couldn't imagine anything more beautiful to look at than the tree-covered mountaintops. What I saw as a rolling sea of trees was a welcome distraction from the shoulderless edges that dropped off into the dark, creepy rocky woods below. The air felt different. It was lighter and easier to breathe. I was ready to begin unloading things as soon as we signed the papers to the close, and we were handed the keys. After unloading some of my things, my eight-year-old son and I were back on the road to load up more things and then drive back up. As a boy, he had family reunions nearby at Robber's Cave. Once we arrived, it was already late in the evening. Due to our very long drive, we were all ready to call it a night. My father passed out in an oversized quilted hammock in the living room, and my son and I had a queen-sized air mattress in the master bedroom upstairs. We had not been in the bed very long before I heard what I presumed to be some unusual birds making a hooting-type sound. There were three distinct vocalizations, and oddly enough, only one of them sounded masculine. I considered the sound and wondered what kind of bird it could be, and why it was so loud at this late hour. Soon I heard little things hitting the glass. It sounded like it could have been a swarm of bugs flying into the reflection on the uncovered window and sliding glass door to the back deck. It continued, and it seemed excessive. I looked and saw little twigs and pebbles hitting the back, after bouncing off the glass. I heard something rather large come off the tree line before the cabin. I heard branches breaking and leaves rustling. It sounded like something was making a beeline for the house. I kept hearing thuds and I believed large rocks were being tossed or pounded on the ground. It was so unexpected, but I thought there were many animals accustomed to the property being vacant. It could be a black bear. However, I then heard the knocking sounds. It was unmistakably the sound of a piece of wood being used to knock on a tree. At this point, all I could think was Bigfoot. There was a heavy downpour that came down at 11.30pm. There could have been lightning and thunder, 
but I really didn't notice. This was such a heavy rain, and I couldn't be certain if these things were still out there. The noise seemed to have stopped. I didn't even attempt to sleep because I was thinking so many thoughts about what had just taken place, and I never actually believed the Bigfoot stories on TV. Did Bigfoot knock on the trees? That always seemed so far-fetched to me. Did Bigfoot make weird hoot and holler sounds? What on earth was making those noises anyway? Finally, the rain had stopped and it still seemed rather peaceful. Of course, it wasn't long before the branches breaking and trees splitting sound began. I heard what I believed were rocks. This is a mountain. The very loud and aggressive knock-knock-knock sound on the tree in front of my cabin below was what really set me in motion. These were followed by big, exploding sounds. It sounded like something was now whacking something against the cabin wall below. It shook the cabin and I believed it to be very threatening. Naturally, I woke my son up and took him to a room where I felt he would be safer. I didn't trust the sliding glass door and I didn't know why I think the flimsy office door was safer. Just being out of sight just made us feel better, I guess. I turned on the deck light in the front and back porch lights. I opened the upstairs office window and yelled out, Leave us alone! We're trying to sleep! I checked all the windows and opened slightly to listen, and all was quiet, except my son who was complaining that I woke him up at 4am. My dad woke up to me checking all the windows and talking to my son. My dad was upset that I didn't wake him. At daylight, he insisted we go out and walk around the cabin looking for evidence of this wild report. I didn't see all the broken branches or big rocks, though I did notice later three trees in the front yard were definitely split in two, and it wasn't by anything natural. The tree trunk was easily eight centimeters around. My father is one of the ones who found the footprints, which I have never ever seen in my life. They were pressed into the mud through the fallen yellow and brown leaves, they were three very large human-like footprints. There were no claws or nail impressions. There was also an ape, like juvenile-sized handprint. These prints were going up to the stone walkway leading up to my covered wraparound porch. My dad insisted that it must be a black bear, but I'm not sure. As I share this, I'm still wondering what made those noises that night. Sometimes I think it's a Bigfoot. It sounds a lot like proper Bigfoot etiquette. But at the same time, I have no idea what this mysterious beast was, or what it possibly could have wanted. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true Deep Woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. I am now streaming on Twitch. If you're a fan of live scary stories, live narrations, horror games, and more. Be sure to join me over there. You can find the link to do so in the description. If you have a scary story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating as it helps me out a ton. 
If you're on the go and would like to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And if you would like to support the Swamp outside of all that, maybe check out our merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And don't forget to let me know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. And once again, don't forget to join me on Twitch. I am streaming over there almost every single day, reading live scary stories, playing scary games, and more. The link is in the description.